0: Welcome to Healthcare Hacks and Connections Podcast. Here you will learn all things podcasting, acquiring amazing tips and tricks required to transform your podcast into an essential tool to grow your business. On this show, we will bring in expert guests from across the healthcare spectrum. They will share their personal stories, discuss their struggles, and give real examples of how a podcast helped to grow their business. Now let's head into this week's episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. So today, we have a LinkedIn expert with us. I know we've had some in the past, but I think this expert has a different approach to things. And this is actually going to be really applicable to you in the healthcare field. So I just want to welcome Daniel Alfon to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Nathan. I'm glad to be part of the Healthcare Hacks and uh, Connection uh, podcast.
0: Thank you, Daniel. So for the listeners that don't know you, can you just give a little bit of brief introduction about you? With
1: pleasure. I signed up to LinkedIn early in 2004. I published uh, a book about LinkedIn profiles back in 2014. And I'm a heavy LinkedIn user. When I started using LinkedIn, I was looking for a playbook and there was none. So eventually I I decided to uh, try and build one that would work for me. And uh, I'm based of uh, I'm based out of Israel, south of Tel Aviv.
0: Got it. And I think that's awesome. I think uh, that that innovation that you came up with there is what a lot of people should tap into, which is if there isn't a resource, why not create it?
1: You know, you made the the pivot yourself, moving from healthcare to podcasting back when podcasting wasn't even a thing. Yeah. So. The, it's, it's a lot more challenging when there's no playbook, but you, got, you, you can actually write your own rules. It's, so I found it a lot more exciting.
0: Exactly. And, and I love that about that you can write your own rules, you can make your mistakes, and then really, people don't even know their mistakes. And then so then you can refine your strategies as well. And I think it makes failure a little bit easier. What, do, what would you say about that?
1: You're absolutely right. If you make your mistakes early enough, few people notices them and you manage to learn from them and even both improve and also help others. So don't be afraid to, be, to make mistakes early on. It will only improve your, uh, both the condition of your startup and you as an entrepreneur.
0: Definitely. So on that topic about mistakes... What are some mistakes that, you know, you see typical about these fitness trainers, PTs, RDs, Kairos, all uh, healthcare entrepreneurs that are out there in the LinkedIn space. What are they doing wrong that we could easily kind of retool and get them to maximize their LinkedIn profile?
1: Uh, it's not that PTOs or OTs or, or Cairo R&D, uh, or medical uh, doctors uh, or make more mistakes, but everyone who doesn't use LinkedIn a lot is bound to make some mistakes. So let's try to make it easier for, for our audience here. I would maybe suggest five very quick tips. Mm-hmm. If I were a Cairo or a PT or an, an OT, I would focus on my individual profile versus the one of my company. Mm, Okay. second point is I would focus on the quality of my network and not the quantity of my connections. We could go over some of them if you'd like. Mm -hmm. third point would be to build your profile as a website and not as a CV if you're a consultant, if you're a solopreneur, and focus on content versus advertising and be willing to invest time instead of money. So profile over company page was the first. Many elements in your profile can be tweaked in order to promote your business. You could start Mm -hmm. with making sure your banner speaks the language that you want. If if, uh, our listeners who visit your own profile, then it says helping podcasters take back their time and use it on business or quality time with family. Mm -hmm. Who wouldn't want that? It's very powerful. Even before we start scrolling, it's a very powerful message. So start from the top, start from the banner. Mm -hmm. And then the text that most people will see is the headline. Now, Nathan, you know that the headline by default is just the name of the company you've joined and the title that you have. So it could be like CEO NC Podcast Production.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But your own headline doesn't say that. It's more focused on the individual. And you say, I help podcasters create authority and increase quality leads for the business with podcasts. Mm -hmm. That's, I find a lot more interesting to your audience than knowing the name of your company. So simply by visiting your profile in 20 seconds, you see the two strongest elements there, the banner and the headline. And if I need to um, find a, a, a way to describe it, Think about your ideal reader on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Number one, if you're a podcaster, then who's who is your audience? And then the second question would be, what action would you like those people to perform if they visit your profile? And as soon as you got both answers, you look at your profile and you say, okay, instead of writing this, I should put that. Instead of not adding links, this is the link I want them people to to see. And simply thinking about your ideal client or ideal prospect, and imagine they would visit your profile makes it a lot easier for you to build a powerful profile like you have.
0: Yeah, I like that, um, and I think it's very intentional with that. And I think a lot of I even think like big corporations, right? They kind of ignore this, and. I mean, we had a previous guest about, that talked about LinkedIn and he was talking about you should be, so people that have practices, that have businesses should be training their staff on LinkedIn of how to promote themselves, but then by promoting themselves, it also promotes the business.
1: It's got a very strong point. I think it's, uh, it's no longer a sum zero game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: By promoting your uh, your staff, you make the uh, the business look better. And what could better present your company than your best talents and your best employees?
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that's even why I always tell people that even our practice owners, when they're creating podcasts, you know, really interview your your staff because. When these people walk in the door to your your practice, they already know, like, and trust this person before they even see that, oh, this is is my trainer. This is my PT. This is my Cairo that's taking care of me today. I've already heard them on the podcast or whatever. I've already seen them on LinkedIn. So I've already vetted them before. And guys, if you don't think people are vetting you before they even sign up to do anything with you, you are out of your mind got to say that first off and that, you know, your Google profile, like, I don't know how many things like, like when I, you know, reading a book, like I'll go Google it first. I'm like, okay, what is this? They're doing the same thing about what the practice is.
1: You're so right about it. And our listeners should know that whenever someone Googles their full name, their LinkedIn profile would come up in the very first result in the very top results, Even if they haven't logged into LinkedIn for a year, it doesn't matter. Some people even have published books and a wonderful website. LinkedIn would still top the list in some cases. So don't let LinkedIn call the shots. You have to own it.
0: Yeah, I love that. So one thing you talked about earlier too was quality versus quantity. Yep. So with connections. I like that, but I've also heard... Of LinkedIn or you know even even with Instagram and stuff like that is quantity 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 because the quality will rise. So what is your perspective on that?
1: <laughs> I'll limit my uh, remarks only to LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And what I would say is this: the best, like ninety percent of my clients come through referrals.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I found that referrals tend to be the best clients I have. They're less price sensitive and they're likely to stay with me longer and even recommend my services to other people. Mm -hmm. And the only way, the only systematic way I have of uh, encouraging referrals is by knowing my network. It comes with a price because I don't have a lot of exposure. If I share something on LinkedIn, I don't have 30,000 connections. Mm -hmm. But the amount of trust you mentioned is a lot more important in our businesses than exposure because anyone can Google and find 10 MDs or or 10 Kairos. It's not the exposure. It's knowing that you can ask someone and it would say you need to speak to Nathan because he could help your podcast grow. And that will only happen if you connect with people you know well.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And another uh, way to look at it Some business owners and practice owners think that if they want to produce content, Mm -hmm. then they must have a large network. Content is very important on LinkedIn, but there are many ways they can repurpose that content and make more people see that content, such as joining LinkedIn groups, specific LinkedIn groups. And even if you had 25,000 connections, within five minutes, you can find five LinkedIn groups with 8K or 12K or 15K people, Mm -hmm. you would never be connected to those people. And by sharing your content, your quality content with them, you could get liens, you could get downloads, you could get books, whatever works for you.
0: Got it. So when you're doing this, joining the groups and stuff, what are you doing in, in these groups? Are you posting? Because I know I can't just be like, okay, here's my... Here's a clip, you know, a one-minute clip from my podcast I recorded with Daniel. And here's the link to the podcast if you guys want to dive in more. Like, they're not going to let me do that, are they?
1: They could, but let's, uh, let's push this a bit forward. Yeah. It depends on the group. And initially, I think I would advise everyone to do is, is to monitor the group and see what, happen, what actually happens in that. So, so first listen and see what sort of content... Do people share? And is there any discussion at all? And even if you see that there is no discussion, what you could decide is find the sort of content you want to share in an educational way. So instead of saying, download my, my, or listen to this podcast, you could Mm -hmm. find two quotes that are relevant from that episode. Okay. You had an episode with uh, Mark seventh about the power of content. So, you could, when you share that piece of content, you you could say, the best time to upload the YouTube video was yesterday. The second best time is today. Mm -hmm. It's a very powerful quote. And that could make people intrigued about the whole episode without you just touring your own home. So, just finding bits and nuggets out of the content you have and showing that within those groups or in general, whenever you post, Mm -hmm. is likely to make people interested in the podcast itself or in the content itself. You don't say, listen to this. You say, here's what I learned. Here's something you should, you could think about.
0: Got it. Do you suggest, so you're saying quotes. So will we create create like a quote card and put it in there? Or is it just me quoting the podcast? No link, like you said, and just say, this is what we learned from the podcast.
1: It could be, uh, if, if you have a strong visual, let's put it this way. I don't think you need to create content for the sake of LinkedIn. So if your strategy is, as a business owner is to create audiograms and visuals, mm-hmm. then using them on LinkedIn certainly makes sense. If you want to use them on your website, then using them on LinkedIn will take, you know, 30 seconds. It's worth it. If you don't have time for this, or if your strategy differs, then just use the quote.
0: Got it. So what about articles, LinkedIn articles?
1: Cool. What LinkedIn calls articles maybe leads you to check something. You could share an article uh, from the Wall Street Journal or some medical uh, newsletter, and you could also write or publish mm-hmm. your own LinkedIn articles. Which one are okay. you thinking about? A second?
0: Yeah, let's, let's talk about publishing your own article.
1: So the best things about the best thing about publishing your own article on LinkedIn is that let's say that you and I were to share something on LinkedIn and you would share an article and I would share a link to say the episode or something. When the LinkedIn algorithm realizes that your content, Nathan, is a LinkedIn article,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then it would like it would show it to more people. Mm. The reason is LinkedIn doesn't want people to leave the platform. Mm-hmm. So if I share something with an external link, LinkedIn will throttle that. And instead of showing it you know, to 200 people, maybe it will show it to 20 people. But when you share a LinkedIn article, then, pe- then LinkedIn realizes that if people click here, they will stay within the garden of LinkedIn. So we'll get a lot more exposure. Mm-hmm. One important thing to remember about articles is that it's best to write articles that are not time-sensitive. Okay. Yeah, you could say next week there's a conference and you could promote that conference, but in eight days you will no longer promote that link. The article could be almost evergreen content if you like. Okay. So if Kairos could create content about prevention of back pain.
0: Yeah. There you you go. You know,
1: and that could be as good today or three months ago as it would be in twenty twenty three. So don't say, you know, next week I have a webinar on an article because you will not have enough time to benefit from that. Mm-hmm. But if you dig deeper into trends or real articles that are valuable to your audience, then LinkedIn articles is excellent way to show and showcase your felt leadership on LinkedIn.
0: And then you, we're allowed to link in there though, like put a backlink or anything like that? or.
1: In the article itself, yes, you could you could have your bio at the end. You could you could link to other articles. So say you have a series of articles. You have three articles. Yeah, and what would be a, one would be maybe about the cause, and then the second about some exercises you could do, and third about maybe a medication. Mm-hmm. And you could start by saying, last time we examined the, uh, the cause roots, and now I'm going to explain about A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. Once you publish the the third one, then you could link back to the first and the second, try to think of them as standalone articles. Maybe someone will discover Nathan's second article without ever having seen the first. So it should be interesting as in itself, but you could also promote or link back to the first and the third. As long as they've been published, you could have a link to anyone on your series.
0: Awesome. So let's get back to building the network, building those connections. When you're connecting with someone, should you send a message
1: first? Excellent question. I'll even go back one step earlier. When you send the invitation itself, Mm -hmm. LinkedIn often enables you to customize that invitation text. Yes. And my advice would be to try to always customize the message. Okay. Because otherwise people may feel that you don't recognize them. They're not important enough for you to write something, you know, when you think of them. It doesn't have to be a winded, it could be one sentence. Mm -hmm. Like since we spoke last month or we haven't been in touch for before COVID, what are we up to? It's fine. It's like the first sentence you would say if you were... Uh, identifying that person you know, in a coffee shop or in, a, in an event. But it, that makes them understand that for 10 seconds, Nathan has thought only about them. And it's not an algorithm. It's not importing your address book and seeing who accepts your invitation. Mm-hmm. Your follow-up after that person has accepted that invitation could actually be outside of LinkedIn. And in general, one of the uh, Most intelligent ways to use LinkedIn is to know when to leave the platform. If we communicated, even think about your prospect, they would convert better on your website. So you could use LinkedIn, but at one point, you want to move to the real world, chat with them, send them a calendar link, do whatever you'd like to, to do in order to strengthen your relationship with them. And my advice would be not to use automation systems. At all, because LinkedIn cracks on all sorts of automation, anything from a sequence of immediate messages you're sending to your new connections linkedin doesn't uh, doesn't condone those and doesn't like those, and if you use it, your own LinkedIn account might be restricted okay, so keep it natural mm-hmm.
0: and then so say you are keeping it natural, what is a good limit of Connections that we can make per
1: day, per week. Um, okay. Before we even touch on that, maybe let's think about your network. Okay. Your network depends on a number of variables. Okay. Some of the listeners, maybe you know, twenty years in business. Some of them could be corporate refugees. Some of them could could have been BTS for two years. Mm-hmm. So everyone has some natural network. It could be twenty five people. It could be two hundred and fifty. It could be two thousand. But they have some network. And part of that network is on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So first, I would try to focus on those people. Your sandbox is people who know you. They just, they just see your face, they just see your name, and they know you. That would This should be the first people you need to think about. They okay. would tend to accept your invitation faster. They're likely to engage in a conversation immediately after connecting with you. Mm-hmm. And before you try to target new people, Start with your own backyard. Got it. And I was listening to a, a great episode he had about marketing secrets with Joey um, Albrighton. Yeah. And what I remember there was that the, the top advice he had was that reconnecting with past clients was something that practitioners found difficult to do, mm-hmm. but it, it was really leaving money on the table. Yeah. We're, sometimes we try to sell so hard Without remembering that some of the people we've worked with, you know, two years ago, and suggested excellent ways to to get back back in touch, and if the person is fine, you may ask them for a referral, mm-hmm. and if they they have a problem, they could you could invite them or suggest the next the, the next step. So reconnecting is even strategically more important than just trying to hunt another five or another ten people.
0: Yeah, and you know what's funny about that is. I could argue with someone. They're like, man, I just need more clients. I need more patients, whatever. And I'm like, they're right in front of you. Right. Like, I could probably go through that person, whoever told me that, and say, okay, show me your last 10 patients, whatever. Okay. Message those people today. Message them today. Check in with them, see how they're doing with their. Their, their their back pain, you know, uh, or don't even bring up the back pain. Maybe ask about what they're, uh, how they're doing with their their ADLs, their active daily living. Are they able to go? So we have the Super Bowl coming up in a, in a while. It's like, are they able to go to that Super Bowl run that's coming? You know, and then it's like, oh, you know what? Actually, I'm not able to. I went up on the ladder the other day and I actually injured myself. Oh. And then they they just remember like oh I can go to you for that.
1: That's so right. And just asking the same question about the ten the last ten patients you uh, you treated is an excellent way for practitioners to uh, to reconnect and to uh, nurture those relationships. Mm-hmm. And we could say the same thing about about your LinkedIn connection. Just look at the, the ten of your connections and and. You will remember where they are and you'll find a way to message them or check how they've been. Mm -hmm. And if you manage to nurture your network, you'll have more inquiries, you'll have more clients, you'll have more Mm revenue. You don't have to work harder, only need to work smarter.
0: There you go. That's a good takeaway there. Okay, so... I've been seeing this on LinkedIn a lot lately. It seems like it's a trend. Polls. (laughs) Is that just, is that like the equivalent of TikTok on um, LinkedIn? Is that, is that what it is? Everyone's throwing out these polls.
1: Uh, You're right. I think it's, um, we may have uh, seen the, um, an overkill of, of polls. It's a nice idea. Initially, it's a way for any LinkedIn user to ask a question with a couple of possible answers and to gain insights and even to run some uh, market research there. But what happens is that when people abuse it, you become another uh, uh, LinkedIn uh, uh, connection. I have mentioned that he sees it as pollution. Yeah use the word poll, and he added pollution to it because he's become blind to 90% of those polls. And really, before hitting the publish button, you should think and ask yourself a very simple question. What's the purpose of that poll? How interesting would it be for my connections and my audience? And if we're frank about it, in some cases, you will know that the answer is really, it's interesting. And if you manage to find a question that your audience will find so compelling, they want to know the answer and that they want to go there and they want to vote because they want to see the answers. But mm-hmm. in other cases, it's very thinly disguised self-promotion. Mm-hmm. And people have become or are becoming more blind to that sort of content and polls. It's not a silver bullet. There was a novelty at one point. And now it, it's wearing a bit thin, so you need it's only one way to engage on LinkedIn. There are many other ways. There are cover videos, there are articles, there are posts, there are, you could give kudos, lots and lots of things. Got it. So
0: what about LinkedIn stories and LinkedIn lives? Like, what is the difference there compared to Instagram and stuff like that? Is it something that they should be utilizing and they're not?
1: I would ask the same question about what you're using outside of LinkedIn. Okay. Stories in, in LinkedIn are not very popular. Yeah. But again, if you have, the idea of stories is to uh, have the content disappear within 24 hours. And the general objective of everything you published on LinkedIn is to last and for, and for people to engage with it and comment and sh- we share it and like it, then that often takes a lot more than 24 hours. So the case for a story would be if you have a, a time sensitive uh, event tomorrow, then you could use a story. Whereas a LinkedIn live is a lot more general scope. You could l- use a LinkedIn live, you could use it via a uh, YouTube premiere or YouTube live. You could have a LinkedIn event or an event in general. And the best part about it is that the content will still live, you know, six months down the road, mm-hmm. whereas the stories is something that will, by definition, disappear.
0: Yep. So it's it's basically a quick take home. Here you go. It's up for 24 hours. Get it right while it's there. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe you have a, a call to action there or something that says, hey, like what I talked about here, actually, I go deeper into that in... XYZ post, XYZ uh, um, article, XYZ uh, podcast, right? Or, or no?
1: Yeah. As long as you have a large enough network, it boils down to your connection strategy. Because mm-hmm. if you only have 300 or even 3,000 connections, there very few people visit LinkedIn on a daily basis. A lot of LinkedIn users simply visit LinkedIn when there's something specific they want. Like if you send them an invitation, they will check you out. They will visit LinkedIn. If there's an important meeting and they will Google you, they will look at your profile. But most people will log in to LinkedIn once in a while. Mm-hmm. So that means very a very low percentage of your network will actually see that story. Mm-hmm. So if you have. 300 or 3000, it doesn't make sense. If you have 25 to 30K, then a story could be part of your strategy.
0: Got it. So that's why you really need to make that first impression. Like you're saying, you need to be memorable. It's like you're walking into, say, a networking uh, meeting or something like that, and you need to be memorable when you're in there. Same thing with LinkedIn.
1: You nailed it because networking is far more important than LinkedIn. And there's no way you could leverage LinkedIn without understanding the essence of networking, human-to-human networking that was done for millennia before LinkedIn. LinkedIn hasn't changed that. Mm -hmm. It may have streamlined the process. It may have changed it. But the general ability of us as individuals to Remember people we've worked with, people we met, and try to keep in touch with them, especially Nathan, when we don't need anything from them. Because nobody likes it when you only remember them when you need them. And that goes to the practitioner, and that goes to the uh, OT, that goes to the RD. If you manage to keep in touch when you don't need anything from them, you'll find the next conversation to be a lot more natural. And they're likely to remember you and refer people to you and visit you again.
0: Exactly. I love that. I love that. So, on LinkedIn, you were talking about using polls to conduct market research. Is there another way on there to conduct market research, quote unquote? So, say if I was going to think of a name for a podcast episode or even Hey, I want to rename the podcast. I'm tired of healthcare hacks and connections.
1: Excellent. If you want to to run a market research, one search you could, advanced searches on LinkedIn are are a big thing. So every time you run a search, LinkedIn shows you uh, uh, below the top navigation bar, another bar with some options. One of them would be content. So you could find lots of articles and lots of posts about that specific uh, area you were looking for uh, uh, information about. Mm -hmm. If you really uh, hesitate about the name of the podcast and you're able to come up with, say, two options, if your network is engaged, what you could do is ask them and, and simply don't necessarily use it as a poll. I've seen some of my clients have used it for book covers. So the name of the book was already selected. Mm-hmm. But they were hesitant about two uh, book covers, and the great thing about it is that not only have they gained lots of information about what people thought, but it created a sense of anticipation about the book itself by people who have never known that you were writing a book. so that's one more subtle way to uh, to do it mm-hmm. and you would be surprised in some cases you, you would have a favorite and you would think that healthcare X would be the good uh, title, but people will tell you healthcare hacks and connections resonates more with me. And eventually you'll uh, bow and you will uh, listen to uh, what other people say.
0: Yep. Keep your ear to the ground. Keep your ear to the streets. That's definitely a strategy there. And then, you know, that also can help down the line when you're creating freebies, you're creating courses, you're creating email list topics, you know, things like that.
1: You're absolutely right. And, and going back to the question of content, if you think about RDs, then building the sort of content around not just the diet, but about exercise, the importance of, of habits and, and of healthy cuisine, you could mm-hmm. mix some, some elements. You could, uh, if you were a foodie, then you could pick your favorite style, say Thai cuisine. Mm-hmm and show the benefits of Thai cuisine if you're having some sort of diet. And you would make people discover some, uh, some plates and some, uh, some dishes they haven't known before. Mm-hmm. And that also uh, makes it aligned with healthy habits, exercise, and your name as a thought leader, as an RD, instead of just saying, you know, you can book, a, there's a happy hour, you can book because tomorrow I've got a lots of cancellations. You can gain a lot more exposure in the long term when you share information that is educational.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you say that because that's kind of a question that always comes up about LinkedIn is like a lot of people f- are, are turned off by LinkedIn because they feel it's a B2B uh, platform. And it's not where I could go find, you know, a a 25 to 35 year old, you know, say mom that's going uh, through postpartum.
1: It's, it's, you nailed it. It's a very bad question. And the question I would ask is this Is there any part of your expertise that could be relevant in the B2B space? Okay. In other words, if you're an RD, can you look at uh, associations, or can you find something in the uh, California State University uh, classes you could you could teach there, mm-hmm. or you could do something in house for a company that cares about its employees' welfare? There you go. So it's not a different specialty; just that you package your your knowledge and your your skill set, and you say. Individuals can go to my website, but if if I'm catering to companies, then I would simply give a lecture about ways they could improve their health Mm -hmm. or their habits. And you you will find that uh, the LinkedIn audience and the LinkedIn companies are maybe a lot more responsive to that than bring that 30-year-old mom into uh, an appointment.
0: There you go. I like that. So then you're utilizing the business to kind of find your clients, but also using the business to bring eyes to your your practice. So you're using someone else's business. Say, like I'm reaching out to Apple, I'm like, Apple, you know, I know that a lot of your clients are very stagnant. They're sitting for X amount of times a day. What if I came in there and we did a quick evaluation and a quick lesson, a workshop on how to have better posture and work efficiently
1: as well or something like that? I think you have a business model. You should quit uh, podcasting. (laughs) There we go. It's an excellent way to gain more clients. It's simply, you could have 90% of your business could cater to individual, but the 10% that could cater to companies... That's what you need to emphasize on LinkedIn. And
0: you know what I think it is too of that is those opportunities are out there, but you guys aren't taking the opportunities. Like they're staring you at in the face and you're letting your imposter syndrome, which we all have, everyone has it, no matter how high you get in this world, you know, the money you make, whatever, like you're going to have that imposter syndrome no matter what. But you need to just get past it, suck it up, and you know, send that message that you're thinking of sending. And if you are thinking of sending a message right now, you should just do it. Just do it. And just see what happens.
1: Right? Let it roll. In worst case, you will not get a client today, but you'll improve. And you could actually, if we go back to one topic you mentioned earlier about empowering employees, then maybe empowering the Apple employees to create or run or evangelize their own podcast Mm -hmm. is an idea for you to consider. Instead of just contacting John Doe and and trying to sell to Jane Doe, find companies where content is important and high-tech companies would find it interesting enough for them to offer a masterclass For whoever thinks about podcasting, both in the professional, uh, like under the company's umbrella or in general, that could be a way for you to get exposure to hundreds of people.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're relating that to podcasts now, but say if we're relating that to fitness and it's like you basically reach out to the company and you say like, hey, I know like it's important to work out every three times a week, at least right for an hour. It's like, what if I came in and I trained your people for those, those times, right? And then maybe it's just a one-off with that, but then maybe that leads into you doing it for a satellite of that company or something like that, an extension of that company. And then, or maybe that even leads you into doing a bigger, like maybe it's the whole corporation, like, all right, during this time, you're going to be doing this.
1: It could work, you know, because some people will will notice that people are working out, and then they want to, they want to become part of that. And even if it was uh, you know planned as a one off, when enough people reach out to the company and say, "Hey, Nathan came last week, or John came uh, last weekend, we wanted to come uh, and and make it on a regular basis," then you've got something going.
0: Exactly. So I know that like, you have actually something for the listeners. That's like a freebie that kind of dives into a little bit uh, for to help them. Correct?
1: Yes. Uh, we mentioned the, uh, the most important real estate on everyone's profile on LinkedIn is the headline. I was quoting your, your headline and I could give just one, uh, another example of, of uh, an RD, yeah. uh, Janine uh, Kelback, who's also BSN and RNC, uh, OB. And her headline says, I help. Health and wellness companies grow their businesses by writing health content. She's using the headline in a way that engages with her audience. Nurses want to write health content. And my giveaway that's available on danielasman.com is simply a cheat sheet. How to craft selling profile headline on LinkedIn with examples and a neat formula. It's something quite easy to read. And I think everyone, anyone who reads it will find it easy to improve their, their headline. Even if their headline doesn't end up as stellar as yours, it will be still be a lot better than what they may have today.
0: That's awesome. And guys, that will be in the show notes just in case. uh, So you can find that later uh, in the episode. Well, Daniel, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast. I think you dropped so much knowledge to my listeners. I think they're going to have so many takeaways. Hopefully, some of them are going to make some LinkedIn connections with you, possibly, and you know, uh, start utilizing some of these tactics that you taught us today.
1: Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be here. And if anyone, everyone can just pick one thing that we've discussed and Try to do it from now on, even if it's a small a baby step, then I'll be glad um, they did.
0: That's awesome. So you've been listening to our podcast. So you know, this segment then that I'm about to introduce. So this is the pod deck segment. So these are just deck of cards that help us kind of dive into a little bit more about you as a guest. So there's just three questions and it's just a uh, random. So if you could invent something, what would you invent, even if it's not real, like a time machine or a magic wand?
1: <laughs> oh, um, I would try to dive into music. If I had a magical way of transcribing the music I hear in my head into something that I could give to a, a, a piano player or a guitar player, and they would replicate the idea I, I was hearing. Mm-hmm. I would be willing to to bet my my uh, last dollar on on that. Maybe maybe it exists, but I I haven't found it.
0: And do you create music?
1: When I was young, when I was your age, I was I was <laughs> composing some uh, some music, but but it's still most of it is is in my head. Yeah, I enjoy listening to to lots of uh, different types of music. We've got an eclectic uh, music collection, mm-hmm. but I haven't really dedicate the time to write music as, as it should be
0: got it so that, that that's awesome so if if it was a choice like like you said in, with that question is that something that you would rather be doing than what you're doing now
1: <laughs> you know each quarter i ask myself do i need to get off linkedin and find something else and for 10 years in a row, I still say, no. LinkedIn is still the right platform for me, but who knows, you know, at one time, if I really managed to enjoy and discover more music, thanks to it, and also be think I would be able to monetize it, then I would. Otherwise I'll keep it for, you know, for the times when I try to relax or, or uh, work and I would still keep my day job of helping entrepreneurs leverage LinkedIn.
0: Got it got it well i mean that's all you you need to do is you know uh, enjoy what you do and as long as you do that it'll never be a job it'll always be you know something fun that that you're you're going to that's the whole thing about me and the podcasting is because i love it i love doing it i love helping people with it but enough about me so what are you avoiding doing because it's hard or scary is there anything out there that you're like it's like, like we're telling the listeners, you know, like h- hidden that send button. Is there something that, that is scary out there yeah. that you are not doing?
1: Um, I, I wouldn't say it's really scary, but w- whenever I pick uh, the next novel, I want to read. Oh, you know, there, there are some, I, I read thrillers and, and, and I read uh, uh, history books and, and some books are easier to read than, than others.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think I uh, may have skipped some very interesting books that demand concentration. And I keep saying to myself, you know, maybe I'll wait for the weekend or maybe, maybe this is not the right time. It's not that frightening, but I think I've, I could have learned more if I found the, the strength to uh, not to pick a, an easy um, thriller, but to, to pick something else.
0: Got it. Got it. So, are you a person that finishes a book like completely from page to page, or do you come back to the book?
1: I try. I think in almost in all cases, I manage to uh, to read uh, from A to Z. And every now and then you know you find something that really resonates with you, and you say that in thrillers it's even uh, easier when when they're well written. And the minute you you come to the last page, you realize lots of stuff, and then you may want to reread it again because you want to see it. was that red herring something I really missed, or is that action something that I could have spotted earlier? And there are also um, some some serious books I uh, try to read every you know five years, and and each time what happens as as you gain more experience is you, you discover more layers you were not aware of initially. So that's the benefit of rereading great content and great books after after you f- almost forget about them.
0: I love that. I love that outlook on it because you know what? I even do that with art, specifically Picasso, because I feel like you could look at something of his art, discover one thing, come back to it the next year, discover a completely different thing.
1: You you have, you have changed and you can't, you know, you can't cross the the same river twice. You have changed. Even if the the art of Picasso is still the same, you are not, your eyes have um, evolved since last year.
0: Exactly. And your mind has evolved. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So on that kind of creativity, what sparks your creativity? What makes the
1: wheels turn yeah, I wish I had a uh, an easy answer. All sorts of things, really. Sometimes it would be a song or a uh, piece of music I was uh, listening to. And I think what I've improved is that when my kids play online games, they keep shouting to each other, "I'm in the zone," "I'm not in the zone." So whenever <laughs> I hit my creativity zone, yeah. Even if I'm in the middle of a very important task, I try to forget about the task and, and do that creative stuff. Maybe it's, you know, uh, 1% that will make a lot more, uh, will open a lot more options uh, down the road. So when you've got it, try to stay with it.
0: I mean, yes, it's so hard for people to, and I, I there was two years ago where I became obsessed with this, is what, is that that creates the spark that creates the flow that gets people to generate the thoughts. And that's when I came up, like, even like, so before I started the podcast today, I have a a song that I listened to. (laughs) It's get me in my persona for the podcast. So I don't know if you have a persona for your creativity, but um, do you?
1: Uh, no, I think I would uh, revert to what you said about because so m- maybe I have, but it keeps changing every year.
0: Got it, got it. <laughs> well, Daniel, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. For the listeners that resonated with your message and they feel like yes, I want to like work further with Daniel or reach out to you, how can they do that?
1: Uh, it's been my pleasure, Nathan, to be on 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 your podcast. And danielalfon.com is the best place to go. They would find. Free articles, they would, they would find all sorts of content and messaging there. So, that's what they're welcome to check out my LinkedIn page and, and my LinkedIn profile and follow me. But the, the treasures are on, on my website.
0: Perfect. And all those links will be in the show notes, guys, including that freebie. So, don't forget about that. For listeners, don't forget to rate, review, and follow the podcast. For inspiring conversations like this one i invite you to join my free facebook group healthcare hacks and connections also be sure to subscribe rate review on apple spotify and stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts lastly be sure to follow our socials on instagram the podcast underscore doc and nate novice on facebook thank you and have a great day